Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Andy Chandler, Peter Johnson, John Farley, and I'm Hazel Burton. On today's show, we have our Buff or Bluff quiz where we have to try and guess the made up movie fact. And we have a full spoiler review of Wonder Woman 1984, which is now available on demand. So let's start our show. I wrote a joke. Would you like to hear my new joke? It's a, it's a little niche. Oh, is it another Sean Connery one? No, it's not. No. <laughs> so I, I call my ex Yoshi. Why is that, John? Because I came home early one day to find I'd been ridden by a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> it could have been because she had drag on. She, uh, is Yoshi a dragon or is he a dinosaur? Dinosaur. I always thought he was a dinosaur, yeah. Yeah, but you try and make that work in a punchline. <laughs> what kind of dinosaur is he, Dan? I would expect he was probably some kind of hadrosaur, if anything. <laughs> He's not carnivorous. I mean, he does eat people, but he doesn't seem predatory. He spits them out, doesn't he? Uh, he's got tiny arms, but not that tiny. So that kind of rules out tyrannosaurs. Very caring for his eggs. So, you know, one of the more nurturing species. And the big long tongue makes me think that he likes to eat leaves from quite high up in trees. So a relatively large herbivore. Therefore, I deduce Yoshi is a hadrosaur. <laughs> since you asked. As I suspected. <laughs> Has everybody now seen WandaVision, which has now uh, premiered its first two episodes on Disney Plus? Yes. Yeah, we have. It's great. I think I've seen it. Yeah. I think you've seen it. Yes. I, I, mean, I might have watched I Love Lucy by mistake. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was very confused. But... Confused in a good way. Yes, it's great. And I have no idea what's going on. And I'm actually quite happy with that. They've managed yeah. to uh, leave you with no clue, but in a really entertaining, fun way. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite, uh, <laughs> I nearly said quite aroused. I meant to say intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> you can be both. <laughs> it normally happens at the same time. <laughs> Is it Paul Bettany in the top hat? Is that what <laughs> That, that was uh, that was that was a highlight. We won't go into spoiler territory, and because, well, we quite frankly, we don't know what the heck is going on. We know something seedy might be happening, um, and we don't something know why. Something seedy. Seedy. Yes. Seedy and aroused. What's what's coming up with you today? Have you been spending your day in the seventies New York or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there, there was a few things that we spotted from mm. the MCU that would lead us to think that something seedy was going on. I would have said mysterious rather than seedy, personally. Well, seedy is what I would use to describe um, you, John. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's, cl there's clearly more to it than a loving pastiche of classic sitcoms. Yes. We assume. Mm -hmm. Could you yes. imagine how confused you'd be if you weren't expecting it, though? You just tuned in expecting a typical superhero series, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you get this that seems to have no relation other than having the same actors in. Yeah, I, I went on a few sort of like forums and they were like, I turned it off after 10 minutes. Like, what is this shit? Yeah, I think you need some knowledge going in that it is going to do something mm -hmm. odd. I think that's why we got the first two episodes at once, maybe. Yeah. 
certainly by the end of the second episode, you've got a little bit more of an idea that there's something going on underneath the surface, even though we don't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I thought it was a, it was a funnier episode as well, being more based on Bewitched instead of I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're also going to change the genre of comedy as they go from show to show. Apparently they are, yeah. I don't think this is spoilers because it's in all the interviews and so on, but I know we're getting a Brady Bunch episode a modern family episode and uh, The Office and a Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, really? Oh, so okay. the, the, the touchstones that they've been going by. So the idea is that each one will be gradually a more modern sitcom. Mm, that's amazing. So presumably there'll be jackass in there at some point. I hope so, yeah. I'm looking forward to Paul Bettany hammering his penis into a plank of wood and then it being dragged off on a skateboard. Does Vision have a penis? Does anyone know? He can have whatever he likes. That's true. He can metastatize a penis. He can Say what? that one again, John. Metastatize, metastatize a penis. Metastasize? I don't know. It's it's masturbate is penis. Masturbate a penis. It's a, it's yes. a common term. Yeah. But yes, we're all aroused, correct? Yes, yes very much so. I am aroused yeah. and intrigued. We're all horny for it. So let's do our buff or bluff quiz. So for this, we have each secretly prepared and unearthed three facts from the land of TV or film. But one of these facts is fake news and the rest of us have to try and pick out the devious lie. So Dan, would you like to go first with your buff or bluff quiz? Yes, I would. And mine has been partly inspired by Division because it's three facts about classic US sitcoms. Mm. So... Excellent. Number one, in 1952, I Love Lucy made headlines when the main characters Lucy and Ricky became the first married couple shown sharing a bed on TV, just like Wanda and Vision. Mm. Number two, in 1957, Leave It to Beaver was the first TV programme to show part of a toilet. They weren't allowed to show the bowl, but after much arguing were given permission to show the tank. And number three... In 1965, the Adams Family were the first TV characters to have a home computer, seen in an episode aired before the first appearance of Bruce Wayne and his Bat Computer. So which of those have I made up? What year was the Adams Family one? 1965. I'm going to step out because I know I know the answer to this. Because I was reading about it yesterday. <laughs> okay, um... So we've got the first couple in bed together being I Love Lucy, which is ringing a couple of bells. I don't know why, but I just, that one rings true. I know in movies they had the Hayes Code, which was things like, unless the actor and actress were married in real life, they weren't allowed to mm-hmm. both have more than one foot right. off the floor and ridiculous rules like that. <laughs> Yeah, I know in, in sitcoms on the TV, you, the characters couldn't be seen to be sharing a bed together unless they were married in real life, which obviously Lucy and um, Desi... Desi Arnaz. Yes, were, were married in real life, so that's not a spoiler. Why couldn't they have more than one foot off the floor? You're not thinking of snooker, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's all about potting the black. You said the black, I mean, there were different colours that are more appropriate for sexual Pink either, yeah. Whether to go for the, the type round or the easy pink, isn't it, really? It's... Oh, no. <laughs> Never be able to watch snooker again. Peter, you're either doing snooker or sex wrong, and I'm not sure which. 
Probably both. <laughs> anyway. Both things that have improved by the introduction of Steve Davis, I find. <laughs> Dan, can you remind us of the second fact, please? Yes, the second fact was in 1957, Leave It to Beaver was the first programme to show part of a toilet. They weren't allowed to show the bowl, but after much arguing, they were allowed to show the tank. What was the context? Did Beaver reach behind the tank to retrieve a gun or something? I think from the screenshots I've seen, it was just two characters in a bathroom, but you could see part of the toilet in the room. Did they have their feet on the ground at all times? So this was before 1960, Psycho, with the first... Flush. Yeah. That was the first flushing toilet, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Can I say what I think it is? Considering you know the answer, go for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that the first one is a bluff. Um, there was a married couple before that that were seen in bed together. Was it the Flintstones? <laughs> the Flintstones, yes. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam. Was it Morecambe and Wise? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know the first non-married couple to be seen in a bed together was, there's some argument over whether it was Bewitched or the Munsters. Right. Um, apparently we were in a couple of days of each other but my recollection is that unfortunately even though Lucy and Desi were married in real life because they were an interracial couple because he was, was he Latino? He was. That the studio wouldn't allow them to be seen in bed together for that reason even though they were married. Right. Weird. I can confirm or deny whether John is correct unless you would like to all have a guess as well. I mean, I was thinking that one was true, but um, then I would have had to try and work out which one was the lie between the other two. Um, and the Adams Family one seems right to me. So I would have gone what for the would, second uh, one. How are you defining home computer? Do you mean just a terminal that links to a big a mini computer somewhere else? A device referred to in the show as a computer that is in the home. Therefore, a home computer. I'm not getting into tech with you, Peter. You can't trick me that way. <laughs> okay. That seems a bit incongruous to me. I'm not sure what the Adams family would do with a computer. Monstrous things. Horrifying things. <laughs> they were on parlour, were they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I'm, I'm, I don't know is the answer. I would have gone for the second one, but I, I'm looking forward to hearing what the actual bluff is. Uh, I'm going to guess that the bluff is number three, the Adams Family, because I don't think they were involved in storming the Capitol. <laughs> I'm going to go for number one, because I assume it was probably a massive computer in number three. John and Peter are correct. Uh, Lucy and Ricky were not the first married couple shown to share a bed on TV. According to what I read, that was apparently Fred and Wilma in the Flintstones. Oh. I just um, pulled that out from nowhere. Yeah, Lucy did make headlines in 1952 because she was depicted as pregnant on the show, which implied the idea of sex having happened at some point <gasps> earlier. Where, where, where do they think children came from? On the snooker table, apparently. It's not moral to know, Peter. Um, <laughs> that was the same reason why there was such an argument about showing the toilet bowl, because it implied the existence of body parts used for the <laughs> toilet. Uh, but they were allowed to show the tank in 1957. No wonder people are so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and in 1965, the Adams family did get a huge computer the size of a room, which was called Wizzo, and they used it for betting on horses. Excellent. I like it. And this turned up about a year and a half before the first appearance of the bad computer. Mm. Excellent. So there we are. I hope for the, the vision computer in the next episode of One Division. <laughs> but we'll call it Wizzo. Nice. 
excellent bluffage. Um, may I go next with some badly researched things I found on the internet? <laughs> Absolutely. Why change the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> My before bluff is terrible financial decisions or financial mistakes. So here are three facts from the world of music, computer games, and film. One of which is true to, I uh, say, no, two of which are true even. I mean, I could make two up, but two of them are true, <laughs> one of which is made up. Number one is popular 80s band New Order, perhaps best known for their single Blue Monday. Now, Blue Monday was famous for its elaborate cover design, which featured a floppy disc with some cut-out sections and various different colours and a silver inner sleeve, designed by Peter Saville, who designed a lot of the Factory Records things. Unfortunately, the covered sleeve was so elaborate, they lost up to 12 pence for every copy of the 12-inch album sold. <laughs> this would not have been too much of a problem, because 12 inches normally just went to DJs and for promo and so on, but the single went on to become the biggest-selling 12-inch album of all time, losing them tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds as a result. <laughs> mm. Was that all number one? <laughs> <laughs> That's number one, yes. Uh, number two... Highlander the Computer Game. Ocean Software got the rights to Highlander the Computer Game in the 1980s, however, didn't really look at the details of the deal, and when they signed it, they realised that they would be unable to make any profit whatsoever on the game. So as a result, they rushed out a really, really shoddy version of the game, sent it to the magazines for review, knowing it would get absolutely terrible reviews in order to minimise the number of copies sold which was successful as I think it only just touched the top 40 games chart for the week. And finally is the Trading Places remake. So in the late 90s, I think it was 1999, I think, there thereabouts, Sony Pictures signed a deal for a remake of Trading Places starring Will Smith and Jim Carrey in the um, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy roles, Cameron Diaz as Jamie Lee Curtis, and to be directed by the Farrelly brothers. <clears throat> okay. However, when they looked at the deals, each of the people had a first profit deal. That meant in order for the film to have been profitable, it would have had to have been the most successful film of all time. So they pulled it. Despite cancelling it, they had to spend $50 million in pay-or-play deals to the cast, meaning that it was the third most expensive film of the year for them, despite it not being even made or released. Wow. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Three real-life Bialystok and Bloom situations yes. here. Uh, the New Order one. I'm, I know there's some similar story to do with that single. There were terrible 12-inch deals, for instance, when Wham! signed their record contract. It included that they would get no money whatsoever from 12-inch singles which then over the next couple of years actually proved to be really successful. That New Order one, that does ring a bell. So I'm, I think that one's probably true. The Highlander one... That reeks of fathingism. <laughs> How recently have you watched The Producers, John? Um, not for a while. No. I think Will Smith and Jim Carrey were both on 20 million plus 20% yeah. of the gross, yeah. and the Faraday brothers were on the same, and I think Cameron Diaz on 10%. Yeah, so if, it was, you, so if you've made that up, you have picked the most expensive actors for yeah. that time period. So, mm-hmm. What year, sorry? It's in 99. But yeah, in 99, Will Smith could do no wrong, even Wild Wild West. Yeah, that's peak time for all of them. With Highlander, when you said they could make no money on it, 
I think they would have lost money because of the ridiculous royalty rate they'd signed, and once it sold over a certain number of copies, it went up. Is that how games work, Peter? No. <laughs> I mean, you can make a contract to, to say anything, but that does seem very unlikely. Well, A, that you could do it, and B, that you could not notice that you'd done it. And also, I just don't get what sort of solution putting a terrible one out would be anyway. Because, I mean, if they wanted, they could have only released 10 copies of it. Look at his face. I, I, I think they rush released it. Basically, they, they just realised they couldn't make anyone down it. So just rather than it being deliberately terrible, they're just like, right, let's just dump out what we've got. We might as well just cut our losses. I think I'm going to pick that one, even though I'm surprised I haven't heard of the third one. When was the original Trading Places? Was that 84? I want to say 82, but... So it's not long for a remake. I'm going to go with that one. I'm going Trading Places. I'm going to join you on that one, Dan. I think it just seems a bit too stupid. I can't believe Sony would be that daft. I do believe it. I'm going to go with Highlander as well, the game. Andrew and Dan, you are correct. There never was a remake planned of Trading Places with Jim Carrey and Will Smith. Mm. I did do some back of an envelope maths this morning and on the figures in my head where they got 20 million plus 20%, it probably would have had to gross over a billion dollars for them to make any profit, which at the time would have made it the highest grossing film of all time, if it was real and not something in my head. Very, very good bluff. Very good indeed. You did maths and everything. I did. The Highlander game was Ocean, which I believe you worked with at the time, Peter. Ocean I worked for, yeah. Um, But I don't remember that. Yeah. I deny all knowledge. It certainly (laughs) wasn't me. Andy, do you want to go next? Sure. Uh, I've got some facts about surprising sequels to classic films. Uh, So I'm hoping that this will go well, because they're very obscure to me, but there is always a chance that John has seen all of these films, including (laughs) the one I've made up. Right, first of all, we have Lawrence After Arabia, which came out in 1990. It follows Colonel T.E. Lawrence and his exploits at the Paris Peace Conference after the end of the First World War. It starred Rafe Fiennes in his first ever film role. He was so good in it that Steven Spielberg cast him in Schindler's List. Number two is It's Still a Wonderful Life, 1955. Henry Travers returns as the angel Clarence. Sent to Earth again to help another lost soul, Clarence fails to stop his charge from committing suicide and loses his own faith in God as a result. A second angel, Terence, is dispatched to save him, (laughs) which he manages through the power of rock and roll. (laughs) And number three... You don't really need to continue, Andrew. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Look what's happened to Rosemary's baby. 1976. The child, named Adrian, is kidnapped by a prostitute and raised in a brothel as Rosemary is carted off by a demonically possessed bus. Much of the film then follows Adrian as an adult. Something something murders, something something amnesia, something something Rosemary's grandchild. Alright. Which one of those is a lie? That third one sounds familiar. Can you confirm, John? Yeah, I might just have the title wrong in my head, but I'm aware of a sequel called something like that, which I I saw on late night TV many years ago. It sounds so ridiculous, it can't Mm. be made up. I can believe Lawrence After Arabia Mm. as a title to describe that. Mm. Yeah, Ray Fiennes, first film role? 1990. I don't recall seeing him anything prior to Schindler's List. So who directed these films, Andy? Uh... People, uh, people with uh, directing ability. I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't bother to look it up. I directed one of them. 
Ah. <laughs> which one? That'll tell us which one's the fake. <laughs> now, it's still a wonderful life. An angel sent to help an angel. How Russian doll does this list of angels go? How many angels deep do you have to go before God himself <laughs> has to step in to help you out? Uh, well, in It's a Wonderful Life 3, um, Clarence, mm. who was helped by Terence, uh, <coughs> is kidnapped by the Mafia, and uh, Terence has to go find another angel. I mm. can't think of a name that... That's the 3D one, isn't it? Mike Pence. Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> if I can proffer some inside information, um, Andy hadn't seen It's a Wonderful Life until a few weeks ago, so it might be fresh on his mind, just mm. saying... Mm. You have convinced me. It's the <laughs> angels. I don't, I'm not convinced. By the, it's a wonderful life. Lawrence after Arabia rings a very, very vague bell. It's in your type of title you, that mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of films like. In a way that um, it's still a wonderful life doesn't. He also likes silly things that rhyme. Mm. It's true. <laughs> Got an unfair advantage here, Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, this is a bit of a test, I guess, see how much I know you, but I, I'm pretty sure the second one has been entirely made up because of all the things that you enjoy and think are silly included in there. Yeah, same here. Mm. Just to be different, I'm going to go for Lawrence after Arabia, but I'm, I, I, deep down I know it's the second one, but I just want it to be real. <laughs> <laughs> Dan? Yeah, it's still a wonderful life for me. And thus proving that being different is a mistake. John, you're the only one who's wrong. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> it's still a wonderful life came out of my brain, and I'm sorry. Um, although there was once a planned sequel, didn't go ahead, but in 2013, a plan was announced. Uh, the title was going to be It's a Wonderful Life, The Rest of the Story, and it was going to focus on George Bailey's youngest daughter, Zuzu, mostly because the original child actor, Carolyn Grimes, was one of the only surviving cast members. It didn't go ahead because the filmmakers believed that It's a Wonderful Life was in the public domain and it was fair game. And it turned out that though the rights had been passed off between multiple different studios over the decades, they were and still are owned by Paramount Pictures and Paramount squashed the sequel Mm. before it could happen, which is probably a very good thing. There was also a public domain thing with It's a Wonderful Life where I think it might have been Comedy Central or somebody believing it was in the public domain. Um did an overdubbed version of it where basically George was just off his tits on coke <laughs> and was hallucinating the angel and everything. And I think they did the whole film like that with all the dialogue overdubbed. And then Paramount said, actually, we own the rights to this. And despite Paramount <laughs> owning Comedy Central, mm. put, put the kibosh on that as well. Very good. So in celebration of the fact that Trump is now officially out of the White House by the time this episode comes oh, out. Don't, don't jinx don't it, Hazel. I know, I know. We're recording this before the inauguration, so I really hope everything goes smoothly. Mm. Hopefully we just see Trump being dragged out, kicking and screaming, and then yeah. that's it. So I mean, it's a little awkward because Dan's still wearing his Viking outfit and face paint from last <laughs> week. <laughs> just want my country back. <laughs> <laughs> in celebration of that, I have three films where unlikely people have become the president. Oh. They're all real presidents, but one of the actors hasn't actually played the role. So you have to try and guess which one that is. And in an extra twist, I'm not going to tell you the film. So you might be able to work it out, but I'm going to ask you who you think hasn't portrayed a president. Okay? Yes. It'll, it'll, it'll make sense. Okay, so... 
Alan Rickman has played Ronald Reagan. Ah. Number two is Dave Bautista has played Dwight D. Eisenhower. If he hasn't, he should. <laughs> and number three, Brendan Fraser has played Abraham Lincoln. Two of those are true. One of them is sadly not. I have two clarifications to ask about. The first is that I am not dressed as a Viking, nor was I involved in the invasion of the capital. Uh, that is that is a lie. But you would say that, wouldn't you? Uh, it, it is a lie. AOC for president. Um, All right. My second question is, have these actors played the presidents when they were president or just at some point in their life? So could they have been Lincoln as a lawyer or Reagan as an actor? No, they um, all three of them. Um, it was whilst they were president. Okay, I really like Brendan Fraser, and I'd like to see him as Lincoln. Mm. I want to believe that one. Mm-hmm. That rings a vague bell, but I, I don't does. know where. Yeah, with me as well, but I can't place it. It may have just been in some very small bit, maybe bedazzled or something like that. Who was in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? <laughs> oh, I've seen that film. I remember Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in it, but she wasn't Abraham Lincoln. I can't remember the guy who played him. It wasn't Brendan Fraser, but he would have made that film better. Anything would. Possibly that Looney Tunes one that he was in. There was a lot of hopping between crazy scenarios in that. So possibly there was a little section where Mm. they went back in time to Lincoln times. Alan Rickman as Ronald Reagan rings a bell. You can imagine Alan Rickman playing Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. Tear it down, (laughs) Mr. Potter. Um, I don't know. I can't do Rickman as Reagan, apparently. But the, the idea of David Bautista as a president is so ridiculous, it surely probably got to be true. Eisenhower, though. The only one that I'd expect him to play is Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. I don't know about Eisenhower. Mm. I want it to be true so much, I don't care if it's the bluff, I will not <laughs> nominate it. You know, that's not how reality works. I don't mm. care. <laughs> uh, big day for president, alongside mm. AOC. I'm going to say Rickman as Reagan. It's been five years now since Alan Rickman died, which is very sad. Mm. But I can't remember him being Reagan mentioned in obituaries or articles about him, either at the time or more recently. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm sure it would have come up alongside the Sheriff of Nottingham and Gruber and Snape and all the other Mm. presidential style heroes he played. (laughs) I was thinking Dave Bautista was right, but I'm, I'm getting Dave Bautista and Terry Crews mixed up in my head. Okay. Because uh, yeah. Terry Crews Terry was Cruz's pe- Eisenhower I'll go with as well. <laughs> no, he was the president in um, Idiocracy, where he ends up as like the wrestler president. I'm going to go for Dave Bautista being the bluff. Okay. Peter, Andy? I'm going to pick Brendan Fraser, because just thinking if I was going to visually pick, if I was trying to make it up. Really sorry, I think there's someone at the door. Okay. If it's Brendan Fraser, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Did you see he's been cast in Darren Aronofsky's new film? It's due a comeback, isn't it? He had some sort of personal issues. Yeah, it's quite a sad story about him, unfortunately. Um, he's been in a few things. He was in The Affair with oh. um, Dominic West. He played a pretty awful police officer, uh, or prison guard, actually, in that one. But he did go out of the limelight, unfortunately, in like the 2000s. He's been in Doom Patrol for the last couple of seasons, but he only plays the voice of the robot dude. Mm. Was it Brendan Fraser at the door, Andy? Uh, it was, yes. He's very well. Uh, he brought <coughs> me some noodles. Did you ask him about playing Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I thought that was cheating. 
Uh, so I didn't, uh, and oh. also I'm certainly did for reasons I can't explain. Mm-hmm. I think that the bluff is Batista as Eisenhower because John Cena would be uh, a better fit. Okay, all right. So um, Alan Rickman, uh, he played Ronald Reagan in the film The Butler from 2012. And the reason you might not remember him, Dan, is because there was quite a few presidents in that film. Um, it's the film where Forrest Whitaker, who plays a, the butler, he recounts his story of like over 60 years in the White House. So there was quite a few presidents in there. But uh, yeah, Alan Rickman was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser did play Abraham Lincoln and it was in the film Bedazzled. So yes, it's quite a comedic turn. He's like, what? We're going to the theatre? Ah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yes. Sadly, Dave Bautista has yet to play Dwight D. Eisenhower. I don't know why those two names popped into my head, but they did. Uh, and I went with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they did. It's an excellent combination. There you go. My bluff is about Funker Pops which we were discussing okay. last show. There are well over 8,000 Funko Pops around in the world of different designs, plus loads of variations, plus lots of special editions. So obviously they've covered some fairly ridiculous things, but pretty much if you can think of a niche or not so niche genre subject, you can almost certainly find a Funko Pop for it. So these are three Funko Pops, two of which exist, one of which doesn't. Okay. Number one is a teeny tiny Ant-Man Funko Pop, which is about a tenth of the usual size, with a magnifying glass built into the stand so that you can look at it through the magnifying glass. <laughs> Number two, Mr. Monopoly goes to jail, where he's wearing a, a sort of stripy prison outfit, a bit like an Elizabethan bathing costume. And number three is Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. The Monopoly one, it came with a shiv, didn't it? And um, <laughs> it's quite dark, really. So, Tiny Ant-Man would have had to come with a working magnifying glass. Oh, yeah, it was a working one. Actually made of glass. Uh, no, actually, you can make them out of plastic. Oh, can you? Okay. Yeah. Oh. As long as you use high-density plastic. Okay. Would Funko do that? Would they go to that much effort? I can believe that. I think it sounds like uh, the the kind of uh, cute thing that would mm. tie in nicely with with Marvel. Um, I've seen a giant man one. I know there's um there was a Princess Di Funko Pop, wasn't there? Yes. <laughs> um, so a Jackie Kennedy part in of the, their Crown series. And Jackie Kennedy is American royalty, I guess. So yeah, it, it's the sort of thing that they would do as a special anniversary kind of thing. Who's your audience for that though? <laughs> Depends what she's wearing at the time. No, no. <laughs> John. <laughs> Stop it. Let's not go there. Completely brassy doll. <sighs> so if there was a Mr. Monopoly goes to jail, there must mm. be a regular one of him as well. Mm. And presumably one of the dog and the boot and the thimble. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I believe this was, uh, what do they call it? They do like quite often alternate special editions, chase editions, I think they're called. Yeah. And that's what this was, which is often a thing with an alternate paint set. So, for instance, uh, WandaVision, they make uh, a black and white 50s Wanda dressed in a sort of 50s skirt and stuff. And they make Vision in his going to work outfit. But the chase edition is Vision with a, a sort of grey Vision head, mm-hmm. but he's still wearing the suit. 
Would you like to see the most disturbing Funko Pop I own? <laughs> that sounds a leading I'll go, question. I'll go, I'll, I'll go and get it because on an audio podcast, this would be great, but you've got to try and work out what this Funko Pop is. Okay. Right. What, what do we think? Nicolas Cage as Venom, I bet. He didn't wait for us to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> John strikes me as one of the people who bought the Werner Herzog Mandalorian Funko Pop. Okay, this is a this is a completely genuine Funko Pop, and I will describe it afterwards. Okay, so it's a it's a head, and looks like a mummified body with blue lips. Have they got a plastic bag over the head? Yes, it has. Did you make that at home? No, this is a, <laughs> this is a genuine item. And their eyes are closed. To describe it for the people at home, it's a normal shaped Funko Pop. Looks like maybe a little girl. Perhaps it's hard to hard to say. There's a plastic bag over the head, and the body is wrapped up in what looks like tape. So it's sort of like a very lazy bit of mummification is what the the body looks like. Initially, when you brought it out, I thought, is that Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box from Seven? But it is actually (laughs) mummified. Is it the mummy from the new Tom Cruise The Mummy film? It is not, no. Anything like a reasonable guess? Let's think about why John would have this. Is it Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks? It is Laura Palmer from oh. Twin Peaks. I say never having watched Twin Peaks, but knowing that you would enjoy it enough to buy a Funko Pop of something yes. weird like that. It is dead Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic. Oh, Jesus, what's wrong with you, John? John, what's wrong with you? A theme we have established over this podcast. <laughs> the fact that that was made as a, ostensibly a children's toy, I don't know what collectible is a very strange thing. Oh. So what that did is establish that anything can be a Funko mm-hmm. Pop. Mm-hmm. I give it about a 30% chance that that very same item will show up one day being described as Exhibit A. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, I, can, I can believe the Jackie Kennedy one, whether it was because um, she's been represented in a few films in recent years by Natalie Portman and Katie Holmes, things like that. I don't know, but I can, I can, I can believe it. Um, It's the Monopoly one I'm having trouble with. The Ant-Man one sounds like something Peter would like. Mm. I I can imagine that if Peter was going to make a nerdy toy for himself, he would be delighted by the idea of the magnifying glass and that kind of thing. So I think he's made that one up. I'll go with John. I'm going to say Ant-Man. I'm going with Jackie Kennedy. I just can't imagine why they would do that or why anyone would give permission for that to be done. And to cover us, I'll go for Monopoly. So, uh, Mr. Monopoly is a real one. Mm. Uh, yes, he's the he's the stripy variant. Um, yep. And presumably it's just because of the go-to-jail part of Monopoly is the only real reason for that existing. This is a billionaire who goes to jail. <laughs> <laughs> is there an uncle when he bags didn't kill himself? So Funker. it's obviously fictional. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Kennedy also exists. Mm. But I was just like, when I saw it, it's, it is a, a slightly strange thing to make, but obviously she means different things to different people. She perhaps means different things to us than what she means to Americans. Mm-hmm. The one I made up, because I thought it was a cool idea, yes, <laughs> is the teeny tiny ant man with a special magnifying glass so that you could see him big. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Excellent bluffing, everybody. Very good.
Okay, so Wonder Woman is now out in the UK on video on demand. Some of you may have been lucky enough to see it in the cinema before the extra restrictions came in. We didn't, unfortunately, so we streamed it this week and we're about to do a full spoiler review because, uh, well, we have to talk about the ending. So if you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet and you would like to, please go ahead and then come back to us once you have, because this is your official spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet and you're on the fence about whether to spend £15.99 on a rental, maybe keep (laughs) listening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just a quick plot recap. So Wonder Woman 1984 is unsurprisingly set in 1984, nearly 70 years after the first film. We see Diana saving people as much as she can, um, saving people from being run over or being attacked in a shopping mall whilst trying to protect her identity. She's working in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., where she meets a new colleague, Kristen Wick, who plays Barbara Minerva. And Barbara is very unconfident when we first meet her and she's barely noticed by her colleagues. But when she meets Diana, she becomes rather infatuated by her, particularly uh, her high heels for some reason. The FBI asked the museum to identify some recent stolen artefacts, most notably something called the Dreamstone. The Dreamstone grants the holder one wish, and unknowingly, Diana wishes for her very dead boyfriend from the first film, Steve Trevor, to come back. Elsewhere, we meet Max Lord, a wannabe oil lord with uh, very Trumpian tendencies, who knows about the Dreamstone and hatches a plot to steal it and actually become it. So he starts granting people wishes. The catch is that the Dreamstone is uh, actually like a monkey's paw, so it will grant your wish, but it will also take the thing you hold most dear away from you. So Max Lord uses that power to take things away from people and become ultra-powerful himself, making himself the President of the United States and accidentally starting a nuclear war. Meanwhile, Diana meets up with a strange man who seems to possess the spirit of Steve, but only she can see him. And Barbara has got her hands on the Dreamstone herself and wishes to become like Diana, not knowing what that really means. Hilarity ensues. (laughs) Or not. Or not. So, what are our initial reactions to the film? Mm. I didn't like it. It was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointment. Disappointment I mean, is the word. I wanted it to be really good. We'd all yeah. been waiting for this a long time, hadn't we? I think it was, uh, you know, yeah. it was supposed to come out very, very early last year. It was obviously yeah. delayed. And then we were thinking we might get to see it in the cinema. And then obviously mm-hmm. didn't. So whether we'd built it up to be like this great saviour of welcome back to the cinema and so on, and which you never mm-hmm. could live up to. But it didn't have to be so fucking stupid, did it? <laughs> No. I don't think I've built yeah. it up as a saviour of cinema, but I'd built it up thinking it would be around as good as the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was not. If you listen back to the episode that we recorded early last year, where we um, talked about the films that we were most looking forward to that were going to come out in 2020, which holds up well. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a very good episode. Anyway, Rinse and repeat for 2021. Yeah. No, I did pick Wonder Woman out of all of them uh, that I was the most looking forward to but I do feel cheated. Mm. And that is a pun. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, I, I watched it at the time thinking, oh, it's, it's all right. And then as the days went on, I became angrier at how bad it was and how let down I felt by the writing and just everything in it. Yeah, it's not kind of overtly horrible, is it? It's just not particularly competent and it goes on for two and a half hours and you just feel, why? Um. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you, if you asked Amy, she would tell you it was overtly awful. <laughs> um, she really hated it. I mm. gave it a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but again, as it went on, there were more and more issues I had with it that by the end, I found I couldn't get over those issues to be able to enjoy it. Mm. And I've read some of the early reviews that talk about it being bright and happy and joyous. But by the end, I was just thinking it was a sad indictment of how awful mm-hmm. people are. Yeah. So should we get into some specifics? Do you want to talk through a couple of the issues that you had? My big issue is with the Dreamstone, the little known seventh infinity stone that Thanos didn't bother with. And the fact everybody gets one wish and without exception, everybody wishes for something horrible and self-centred. I, I was coming at it from an environmental point of view, thinking so nobody wished for the Amazon to be reforested or, you know, maybe plastics to be removed from the oceans or for mm. big game hunters to acquire a soul and stop doing it. <laughs> you could have, you know, somebody wishing for a cure for cancer or mm. for global warming to stop happening and all the excess carbon dioxide mm. to be removed from Earth's atmosphere or rather than the president wishing to have more nukes than Russia to maybe yeah. wish there were no nukes. Yeah. Even yeah. Wonder Woman picked something that would only make her happy and in fact actively ruined another guy's life, though he doesn't know it, and we'll get on to that. Yeah, and will. it just <laughs> struck me as really sad that everybody picked these horrible, selfish wishes. And there was a point where Not Steve had Maxwell Lord by the hands and could have granted a wish that could have been, I wish for there to be no more wishes. And that would have fixed everything before it went wrong. And he didn't think to do that. But the film put him in a position where he could have and should have ended it right there. Mm -hmm. I liked it when Chibuddy G from People Just Do Nothing on BBC Three wished for a cup of coffee and got his cup of coffee. He wasted his one wish, but he was quite happy and he didn't ruin the world. Good for him. (laughs) That's about as far as I can get with the whole wish thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not even a single person wished for Firefly to be recommissioned, did they? <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, it did seem we got Nathan Fillion back to some extent, because Pedro Pascal looked so much like Nathan Fillion playing the bad guy. Mm. He was having fun. Yeah. I think he, he was the, the best thing in it. And inspired by Nicolas Cage, apparently. <laughs> really? <laughs> he said it in an interview. Wonder Woman herself just seemed just such yeah. an unwarm character. Even compared yep. to the first film. Yeah, just yeah. really cold. In the first Wonder Woman, it's so clear she's an Amazon warrior and there's something so special about her. And that no man's scene mm. uh, where you just like all the hairs stood up and you just like, come on, Diana and the music. Blah. And in this one, she loses her powers. And not only loses her powers, she loses them because of a man. And it's just, oh, why can't she have both? Why can't yeah. she have both? I don't understand. The fact that she's just been sat for 70 years moping after the second best Captain Kirk. <laughs> after Chris Hemsworth. Pining for him, some would say. <laughs> oh, uh. It's been 70 years. It's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure you'd have been very upset for, uh, you know, a few years at least. But 70? Really? Move on, love. And how long did she know him for in the first film? It was only a couple of weeks, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, there's so many questions to be asked about this film and uh, a very good one is why is it set in 1984 and mm. uh, you've, you've yeah. got to address the fact that this is a direct sequel to the last film and the direct, honest, moral, upstanding character that Diana was in that film is just not in this one. She's completely different and she's just empty. Mm. Yeah, uh, And they didn't do anything to explain 
where she's been for the last 66 years, how she's got there, how she's changed. She's just, why that huge gap? And it's just a cynical, the 80s were fun. People have nostalgia for it. Let's make it in the 80s. And then they do. And and I I just get the feeling that no more thought went into it than that. Yeah. For me, I think there was probably a couple of reasons to have it in the 80s. One, or the greed you know, this kind of Wall Street attitude where it's really, really cutthroat, which was kind of represented with Max Lord. That was my kind of problem with the villains. Like they're not Mm. really, really bad people. They're just pretty greedy and things got out of hand. The second reason I think is because it's um, the Cold War and they did have a very, very sidey plot with Russia, which really got kind of just left behind really. But they could have done so much more with that. And Mm. there's a bit where the world comes to the brink of nuclear annihilation, but the Mm. film isn't about that. And surely that trumps everything else that's happening. And it Mm. it was just, it felt like um, just just dull window dressing. Yeah. There was also, um, I think, Peter, this was your idea, like something about how Captain Marvel worked really well set in 1990. So they wanted to, yeah, do something like that. Yeah, it could well be. Can we talk about Barbara Minerva? Of course, yes. Because in the early parts of the film, she and Diana, as friends, I was thinking this could work quite well. The two of them team up to take on Max Lord and Barbara might have made a wish to be more like Wonder Woman and you get kind of two, but she doesn't handle it very well. And there was something in that and it just went the most boring, uninteresting way possible Mm. and then turned into a stealth cat sequel. Yeah. (laughs) It's been done so many times where this relatively unconfident, shy character who wears glasses. Yes, that annoyed me. Batman Returns, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. secretly wishes to be sexier. And to become sexier, you have to lose the glasses. I like Kristen Wiig a lot. I like the fact that she's actually nearly 50 in real life. um, And they were able to cast her as this sexy woman, which is great because those roles do not go to women over the age of 25 these days. So I thought that was great, but I just, the, I think she deserved better as an actor um, and to, to be given a script that would do her justice because this has been done so many times before. It's so frustrating to see um, and it was really boring mm. in the end. It was. Mm. Her most evil dark moment in the film with the scary, scary music is when she justifiably beats up a guy who tried to sexually assault her twice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that, was, that was like her. How evil is this woman? He gets the shit kicked out of him by Diana. Goes, I think I'll, I'll have another go. Yeah, mm. uh, really, he was evil, but I don't understand how that was a yeah a, an evil character moment for her. It just seemed really exactly totally wrong. I think the idea was that you were supposed to go with her doing that to start with, and then turn to realizing, oh, she's gone a bit far. She's doing too mm. much now. I think that was what they're aiming for. I don't think it succeeded. No, I agree. Yeah, it's it's kind of like they were thinking. Two half-assed villains might make one good one. I don't. It, it doesn't work like that. I just, it never has worked no. in all superhero movies. That opening sequence in the mall. Something about that really annoyed me. I think you'll all call me a pedant, but there's a kind of a reason for it. So one of the first shots in 1984 in a film called Wonder Woman 1984 is you go through this typical 80s shopping mall, and you go to an 80s video arcade, and they're playing Gauntlets and Operation Wolf. And Gauntlet came out in 1986 and Operation Wolf came out in 1988. And you think, okay, that's a little thing, but it just shows... A, <laughs> it is a little thing, but it shows a lack of yep. care. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. yeah. Essentially, it had two opening set pieces, one after the other as well, which was a bit odd. Mm-hmm. Let alone also the fact that that whole shopping mall thing just felt like it came out of a Spider-Man movie because the way she's using mm. the zoo. 
that lasso seems to be very versatile in the fact that it yes. can whip around clouds but can't oh, get past God. a little bit of wind when Max Lord's doing his mm. big evil thing at the end. It seemed that they needed her to do something, couldn't figure out how to do it and just got the lasso to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And she has had 60 years to experiment, but considering she learned how to fly in a matter of minutes, it seems a little odd. Speaking of flying, yep. um, Chris Pine, I'm not sure being able to fly a World War One plane qualifies you to fly a fighter jet six years later with no problems or difficulties whatsoever. Considering jet fighters didn't even exist mm-hmm. then. And, and someone who was just incredibly wowed by the underground. Which had existed since before he was actually mm-hmm. born. In the late 19th century. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't sure about him coming back anyway. Like, just from the trailers, it seemed a little bit, "Mm, he doesn't need to be here. Yeah. He wasn't what was interesting about the first film, but we got a whole lot more Steve Trevor, except it wasn't technically him because he was possessing somebody's body and that was weird and somebody explain it. (laughs) Can we we talk about how Dinah Price is, at, at the very least, guilty of sexual assault? potentially a rapist because I don't think that body consented to having sex with Gal Gadot. I mean, I'm sure he would have done, but still, <laughs> that's not the point. Yeah. 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 It's it's just weird, though. It, it just makes no sense as a way of bringing him back. I mean, if you're going to say magically, OK, he's just come back, then just do that. Don't bother mm. having her inhabit someone else's body. I mean, I was yeah. hoping for a 70 year old corpse that had been <laughs> rotting in the, uh, the fields. Or if you don't word your wishes carefully enough. (laughs) Just like a zombie coming back, a skeleton with a few bits of hanging flesh and Wonder Woman going, I've made a terrible mistake. Their initial reconciliation was very emotional, but after that it just descended into farce where he dresses up in 80s fashions and then they go out and look at the town and he's wowed by all of the newfangled things he didn't know in 1918. And that seemed to come at the expense of actually exploring what does it mean that I've missed you for 66 Mm -hmm. years and now you're back, but you're in someone else's body. Do we have a relationship? How did this happen? How do I feel now? What does it mean for my life? What does it mean for you, Steve? There was no emotional angle to it. It was that they had that one little burst of emotion and then it became, let's do some silly stuff. And yeah. what, what did it mean? I think this is the problem with a lot of sequels in that they think that everything has to be bigger. But what happens there is that you leave things like that, you leave emotion at the door because all you want to see is big explosions, someone becoming president and starting a nuclear war. It's just bigger, 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 but it doesn't always mean better. Trust me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> is that awkward? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> just move swiftly on. Did anyone find anything they liked in the film? I did like the opening gladiator scene where they had to run up the travelator and swing from the cargo net. Uh, that, that was pretty cool. The second thing I liked was, even though I didn't like Steve Trevor coming back as much as, you know, he's, he's, he's a fine character, they did get rid of him at the right time. He wasn't part of the whole saving people from the brink mm. thing at the end. He served his purpose and then left. How would the film have been different had he not returned in any way? You'd have had to have Diana not moping about so much. Mm-hmm. I think she was only moping about so that she could have changed when he came yeah. back. That's probably mm-hmm. why they did that. But it just yeah. diminished her as a result. Mm-hmm. I guess she wouldn't have figured out what was going on with wishes quite as quickly because hers wouldn't have come true. But then you could have fun because she was wondering what was happening to her friend. 
That was the bit I liked. I liked the friendship at the beginning of the film. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do actually think Steve Trevor was one of the more fun elements and a lot of the comedy moments in the first movie come from the relationship yeah. between the two of them. It's just that it wasn't necessary in this. Yeah. If you take Steve Trevor out of it, then uh, Diana's entire uh, motivation for her story arc uh, is, is gone. And she just becomes uh, a blank slate who's nothing more than a glamorous woman with superpowers who is there. But um, then they could have fixed that and actually given well, her exactly. a proper yeah, motivation become, instead. Yes, yes. And I wish they had, but it would have just become a completely different yeah. story. Here, here is my suggestion for, yeah, for a completely different story. Uh, after a great opening sequence on Themyscira with the Amazons doing their gladiators eliminator course, uh, Diana is in our world, sad, but because she can't see her family or any of the other Amazons ever again because she can't get back there. She wishes to be able to get back there, goes back there and likes it for a bit, but realises that the rest of the world is going to shit while she's not there and has to give up the Amazons voluntarily. I mean, again, in a retread of the first film, Mm -hmm. but after having had experience of the world outside, she chooses to go back there to fix it. Ah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's much better. Fair enough. So, (laughs) the first movie was written by a different set of people. This second one was written by Patty Jenkins and someone else. Does it make anyone worried about how the Star Wars movie that she's working on is going to turn out? Which we were all very keen on two weeks ago. Not me. Star Wars is shit. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) As has been established. It doesn't make me worried for it. Um, You know, that's what makes us human. We get things wrong sometimes. Um, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, Invisible X-Wings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do we think we would have um, forgiven some of its flaws if we'd seen it in a cinema? I think I probably would have. I normally like things more when I see them in the cinema. Mm. Usually let films off with a lot more when I've watched them on the big screen. I remember yeah. angrily shaking you and shouting in your face after leaving Rise of Skywalker, saying it's a terrible movie and you just were not having it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, can't wait to get back so we can shake you again, Dan. <laughs> I can't wait to be shaken. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another Nerdfest episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on social media at Nerdfest UK and perhaps leave us a positive review wherever you listen to us. And if you need an extra incentive to do that, well, here's John to do just that. What have you got today, John? Well, um, if you do that, I'm going to come and find you at a party and convince you that I'm your long dead boyfriend just simply by saying a single sentence that sounds vaguely like something he might have said in the past (laughs) and then take you on an adventure yeah okay so we'll be back in two weeks time until then you've been listening to a man who will think very carefully before making a single wish (laughs) Andy of Arabia (laughs) a man who is living life in black and white a man who is voting for Dave Bautista as president (laughs) (laughs) and a woman who doesn't become less sexy when she puts her glasses on thank you very much we'll see you next time she was clearly doing a secret identity thing Mm -hmm. there was a
TV uh, report later that you could hear, and it said that there's been more than half a dozen such reportings of of uh, this kind half of thing. Half a dozen. And then it doesn't go anywhere with that. Half a dozen in seventy years. It's just selfish. <laughs> really selfish. Like if you if you had fucking super, like if, if you were, like I tell you what I'm with Max I'm with Pedro Pascal I'd be annoyed I'd I'd have a selfish wish because if the most powerful woman on the planet is so selfish that rather than help people she sits and mopes about fucking Captain Kirk then really the world deserves what it gets. Oh and. Uh- when um we finished the was... review we should stop <laughs> knocking it down now <laughs> post credits we were holding back oh i have so much i didn't say cryptozoology my 